0: good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. Hopefully everyone's been able to or gets a chance to actually enjoy the spring slash summertime feeling weather finally. I guess to be to be fair there's been a couple days this week where I thought it was finally starting to feel like spring or going into summer starting to feel like May. A couple days this week I think it was like you know 75 and sunny so I went outside in shorts and a t-shirt you know summer clothes and it was fine, I figured that I could do the same thing the next morning and stepped outside, and it was 45 and cloudy and drizzly and <laughs> could, certainly could not do the same thing. Although there's been plenty of times I'm tempted to just, you know, throw John ahead in my summer clothes, despite the fact that it's only 45, just hoping maybe that'll, you know, make it feel warmer or, you know, speed the weather along or, or whatever. But uh, So hopefully it actually, you know, I say this, but it could be raining outside by now, who knows? You just never know. But I, I've never really, you know, i never really considered myself to be much of a, a worrier. Not a, not a warrior. Want you fight? something not that either, really. But uh, I'm not never been one who, who worries a lot. I don't think. You know, I am. I am human, of course. So there, there's times, there, there's days, or, or things that I get anxious or or nervous about, or worried about. Certainly. I'm sure you've probably seen some of that in me if you've seen me up here preaching before. You've probably witnessed a little bit of that. But but generally speaking, I've never really felt um, like I am one who worries a lot. I think that kind of even came up in uh, the conversation during my interview here, actually, um, a while back. Um, I believe I was asked, asked about how I how I handle stress. What do I, what do I do with that, or, or something along those lines. And I, I kind of felt like I needed to give give some some fair warning and kind of explain myself and say that you know, I, I don't stress super easily. Um, but I just wanted to kind of warn um, everybody that you know, if you don't see me stressing or, or worried a lot about something, it's not because I don't care. You know, I don't want it mistaken for apathy but I felt like I had to give some, some fair warning uh, in my interview. And certainly, um, as Jen and I, for, when we had first started dating, we had to have some clarification conversations uh, about it. it wasn't that I don't, it's not that I don't care. It's just that maybe I'm not as worried or, or stressed about this, you know, whatever it is, as, as she may be. So if you, if you ever see me and something's going on, and you're like, man, it seems like he's not really as worried or concerned about that as it should be, don't mistake it for apathy I probably, depending on the situation, care, but uh, I may just not be stressing or worrying about it as much as other people. Uh, when, I was, when I was in college, I kind of fell into this category that I would think most, most college students probably group themselves under, or at least most of my, my friends, or probably even, I guess, mostly my male friends, but I was quite the procrastinator. I put stuff off a lot. I think a lot of college students are probably like that, Um, but when I was in college, it kind of seemed like everywhere I looked on campus, um, seemed like everybody else was worried about something. They're stressed about the next big paper, or getting this next group project done, or they're stressed about getting this, you know, getting the next grade on the big final, whatever it was. They were worried about something. I had I had friends and, and classmates. You know, we were in the same classes together, or at least you know some of the same classes together, and we had, we both had, the whole class had this big paper due, and they were worried because we had this big paper that was due tomorrow morning, and it's 5 p.m. and they're only half done, and they're stressing and they're worried about it, and oh my gosh, I got, I can't talk to anyone, I can't talk to anyone, I need to sit down and you know, I got to work on this paper. They're stressed and they're anxious. Meanwhile, I haven't even started on that paper. And my friends say, hey, you want to go out to dinner? And I say, yeah, sure, why not? And granted, where we went to college was in the middle of nowhere Kentucky, so to go out to dinner, unless you wanted McDonald's, it meant you had to drive about 25 minutes into town to get to a decent restaurant. And of course, that's what we did. Now, I'm not trying to say that that's the correct way to handle things or that I was the best student. I always always did well all through school, even through college, I, I did you know, pretty well. I had never been the smartest, but I did apply myself despite the fact that I procrastinated and, and did pretty well. You know, I just I just knew that, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I know I always get the paper in. It's always done. You know, I, I just know my I knew myself. I knew that I could get the paper done. I could get it with, you know, at least decent quality. And, and I could get it in on time. It's always worked for me. I've always done fine. My paper I always do well on my you know, on my paper. So I wasn't worried about it. You know, to some people, that might make them very anxious, you know, staying up until 3 a.m. to work on the paper when it's due at 8 a.m., but that was, to me, when I did my best work. Now, and really, staying up till 3 a.m. was probably a regular thing for me in college anyway. It was just a matter of whether or not I was going to be eating Little Debbies and playing video games up till 3 a.m. or working on my papers until 3 a.m. Either way, you know, I was up that late anyway, so that didn't bother me. But regardless, I, I just knew I had the, you know, the situation under control. I wasn't worried about it, and I would really don't worry about a whole lot. Some people might even consider me uh, kind of a, a bit of a, a thrill seeker, and to a certain extent I would agree I think that's true. Um, not necessarily because I you know, procrastinate on my papers and wait till the night before to start a big paper, um, but because I, I do like certain thrills. You know, I love I love roller coasters. Any chance I get to go to an amusement park, I'll ride. I'll really ride. I think just about anything in an amusement park, except for if it spins a lot. I don't, I don't like that. That just makes me sick. That's no fun. But besides that, I, I'd really ride. Even that, you could probably convince me. But I'll ride just about anything. I love roller coasters. I've been I've been ziplining a couple different times. Uh, I went ziplining in Nicaragua through through the jungle. It was a blast. You know, we were like up in the trees and the platforms were built on to like the top of these trees and it just went ziplining from platform to platform. Um, I remember on the, the, at the end of the, at the, the very last one, you got on the platform, you finished, and uh, they like unhooked you and you jumped out, out of the tree you know, like off the platform 50 feet, however many feet in the air into this just giant net, just kind of free fell. It was, it was awesome. All sorts of fun. Um, and then several years ago, uh, I think I was a freshman in college. I, I even got to go skydiving, and that was a blast. I love that. Can't wait to hopefully someday do it again. There's been lots of, you know, I, I, I've been asking this and talking about this every service so far, and there's been some murmuring, and so I have had some people talk to me about getting a group together. So, you know, if anybody's interested in getting a group together, a new life, you know, a skydiving trip, you know, there's been talk. So uh, if, you're, if you're down to go, just let me know, because I'd love to go again but it was just a blast, you know, it was, it was funny, because everybody kept, I told people, I, you know, I was going, and, and so a few days before, everybody kept coming up to me and asking me uh, if I was nervous, and I, I always said no, but I always told people, and I was honest, and I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not nervous, but I told people, I, I think I'll probably start to get a little nervous once we're actually at the facility, and then we get, like, strapped on, you know, get all the, you know, the suits on and everything and, and then when we get in the plane, I'll probably start getting a little more nervous. And then when it's like, you know, my time to jump, I'm sure I'll be really nervous and like shaky and, and all that stuff. Um, but to be honest, really the, the whole time, I I was just so excited. And as we get closer and closer, the plane took off and we were sitting on the edge of the plane, you know, ready to, to fall out of the plane. I You know, I, I never got nervous. I was just so excited the whole time for what was about to happen. Yeah, it was, it was just awesome. I was, I was just so pumped. <laughs> You know, people, people might think that makes me kind of sound like a, a thrill seeker. Uh, people ask me, "Well, haven't you heard these stories?" And all these ho- there's all these horror stories out there about you know roller coasters or skydiving or or anything about these terrible things happening. And, and they, aren't you worried about this or that or the risks? And you I know, I I never was it never really concerned me. I was never really worried about it. You know, I'll, I'll do all those things, but. You know, there, there's a definite limit, there's a definite cutoff to what kind of thrills that I'll try, what kind of things I'll do. I was never worried about the supposed risks of roller coasters, zip lining, skydiving, all that didn't bother me, but there, there's certainly a, a cutoff. There's things I won't try, but I'll, I will want to come back to that here in, here in a minute, though. And while I may not be worried about risks of roller coasters, or skydiving, or I was never worried about my silence being late, that kind of thing, there, there's certainly things that I, I do tend to worry about. If you were to ask my wife, she would probably tell you that there's two things I worry about, movie spoilers and my comic books, and she's not wrong, necessarily, <laughs> but, you know, there's obviously, there, there are other things that I worry about, and I think it's pretty safe to say, um, you guys showed it earlier, that we all worry, and we all have things that we worry about. You know, we worry when we are out of a job. We, can't, we worry when we can't find a job. You know, we desperately send out a resume everywhere and just kind of hoping for, for anything. Uh, we worry when we get some unexpected bills and unexpected expenses that come up. You know, we tell ourselves that we'll just have to pick up some extra hours, some extra overtime to help cover the costs. Or maybe uh, you know our, our spouse will have to go back to work and get a job again um, to help with the cost. We worry about our future and making sure we can retire, so we put as much money away as we possibly can into various different accounts to try and save up to make sure we're in control over that, over our future. You know, we worry when a loved one gets sick or a family member gets hurt or something like that. We try desperately to to, to get answers out of the doctors. You know. We'll, we try to make sure they get sent to the, the, the best specialist or best hospital possible. We worry about what other people think of us, whether it's our, our boss or our friends or even complete strangers. You know, We change the way we dress or look or what we say to, to, to try, and, try and fix that because we're worried about what they may think. And a list of things that we worry about could go on and on forever. There's, I'm sure it's a never-ending list, and we all have different things that we worry about. But there's one thing that all of these things there's something that all of these things have in common, and that's control. All these things they make us worry because they make us feel like we aren't in control. And downstairs thinking tells us to do everything we can to stay in or regain control of the situation, whatever it may be. Unexpected expenses cause us to to feel like we aren't in control over our finances and someone has to work harder to get back on top of it. You know, loss of a a job makes us feel like we aren't in control over our future. We don't know what's going to happen, so we frantically search for a new job just to get a job as quickly as we can, whatever it may be. You know, we can't control what our boss or our friends or coworkers or anybody, you know, we can't control what they think about us, but it doesn't mean we won't try our best to control it by changing the way we act or speak or look, whatever it may be. And it's certainly out of our control when a loved one, someone we care about, gets sick or hurt, but we often still try to fight for control of the situation, the, the, at least the best way we can, you know, trying to send them to, the, to certain hospitals or the best hospitals saying this one's not good enough. Or, you know, sometimes maybe we, we, we rush the nurses or rush the doctors telling, telling them they're not doing enough because the situation isn't under control like we want it to be. We don't have the answers we want. Now, the moment something is, is out of our control, whatever it may be, we begin to worry. And it's certainly scary to be in any sort of situation where you feel like you don't have control. So we naturally start to do whatever we can to get it back under control. In Matthew chapter 8, we see that the disciples find themselves in a situation kind of similar to this. As Jesus is, is teaching and healing people, and he's doing his ministry. He decides to get in a boat to cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. In verses 23 through 27, we read, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I can remember a time when, when I was younger when uh, storms used to, to freak me out quite a bit. It always just kind of made me worry, made me, made me nervous, even just sitting in, sitting at home. Uh, if the storm was bad enough to make you know, noise and the house creaked, it, just kind of, it always kind of freaked me out. Even, even, even today... If a storm is severe enough and I have to get out in it or I have to be driving in a bad storm, you know, that certainly makes me worry. So I would, I would certainly imagine that there's nothing quite like being out in the middle of a lake in a boat and a crazy storm comes up out of nowhere. You know, I would imagine that kind of makes you feel like you aren't in control. And this was clearly a, a pretty bad storm. Waves were crashing over the ship, and uh, the disciples were were so worried that they even thought that they were about to drown. Now the verses don't specifically say anything about this, but I would certainly imagine that if they were that concerned, that the disciples were probably pretty busy busy while all this was happening, just doing everything they can to try and control the ship and keep everybody safe, and and you know bailing out water or whatever it was, running around and everything, trying to keep the boat, trying to keep the situation under control. And that's kind of how. You know, I, I picture ourselves in situations like that a lot. You know, we're sailing along through life, and everything seems fine, and then out of nowhere, boom, a storm comes along. You know, a car breaks down, a job gets lost, a family member gets sick, medical bills pile up, keep coming in. You know, things come in wave after wave into our lives, and with each one, we worry. You know, how am I going to pay for all this? What are we, where are we going to go from here? what are we going to do? You know, we, fr- we frantically try everything we can to just keep ourselves afloat. I remember plenty of times in, in recent years where I kind of found myself in this position of, you know, oh man, how, how are we going to pay for this? What are we going to do? Uh, so many times when it just felt like kind of one thing came up, and sure enough, something else came up. You know, when, when we were first uh, getting ready to, to move down here, it's uh, just a little over a year ago now, um, we were really worried about how we were going to to make everything work financially, how we would afford everything, and and several other things. You know, when at the time before we moved here, we really hadn't made neither Jenna nor myself had, had made a big move. Uh, at that time, my only moving experience was each year going to college and packing packing up enough junk in my car to throw in my dorm room when I got there. And then even after you know, I got Jenna and I got married right after the summer after I graduated college. But So that basically just meant for, for me, because she was still had two years of school left, all I basically did was just take all the junk in my dorm room and, you know, push it down the street a few hundred feet into the campus apartments. You know, slight upgrade, but only moved several hundred feet, and, you know, it was still, we were still on campus. And Janelle was the same way. She had moved into her college dorm room, and then once we got married, she moved out of the dorm room into our apartment, not far away at all. So... We weren't naive enough to think that moving wasn't strenuous and expensive, but we had never actually done it ourselves. So when we sat down to try and you know, really figure out how much all of this was going to cost, what it was going to look like for us to, to move for the first time, it was a, we started to get a little, a little worried about it all. You know, how, how do we be able to, to find a place to live and let alone be able to afford it? Because the cost of living here was, was much more expensive than where we came from. And plus, it seemed like every time every time we looked anywhere it seemed like all the apartments were 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 full up how would we how do we even pay for a moving truck because that by itself is a huge expense How do we pay for everything on the cars that would inevitably have to be fixed after inspection because once we found out that you had to get vehicle inspections in Virginia, we were not at all thrilled about that yeah you know, we had a we have the o three uh, ultima and the twenty thirteen Corolla, which the Corolla we just bought, you know, probably about a year before we started the process of moving. And so I was like, all right, the Ultima is going to need some work. Inevitably, it's going to need a bunch of things fixed with the, the Corolla. It's in good shape, doesn't have that many miles on it. We just got it. it. It should be fine. But of course, sure enough, the even the Corolla needed an entire new set of tires. So that just seems to be how it works. But, you know, how was I, how was I going to adapt to my, my new job, my new position, my first you know my first big boy job and my first you know as I was getting ready to move here found out that the my my friend who had the position before me who was supposed to be training was supposed to be training me was moving back to Indiana you know a week after we got here so you know what am i going to do with that how am i going to adapt Jenna she had to, she already had a job lined up but she still had to take her big nursing test as soon, almost as soon as, shortly after we got here, to determine whether or not she could even get her license and start her job. So how is that going to go? You know, what happens if she doesn't pass that test? What, you know All this stuff. We worried about a lot of things when we were getting ready to move here. But, of course, God worked all of them out perfectly. Now At the point in time which the disciples were on this boat in the storm, they had been with Jesus long enough to see him do lots of amazing things. They saw him heal people who were sick, People who had leprosy, they saw him cast out demons. Um, Jesus had just recently finished uh, preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So they had seen and heard, been eyewitnesses to, to Jesus to do all sorts of uh, amazing things. And Jesus was right there with them in, in person on this boat. Yet this storm caused them to fear for their lives to the point where they wake up Jesus thinking that, that they're about to die. And Jesus simply responds by saying, Where is your faith? Why are you so afraid? And he stopped the storm, stopped the waves, so that everything was completely calm. He is in control of the wind and the waves, and he is in control over everything, and he is right there with them. So why did they really need to be worried? Now Some days, more often than I prefer, certainly, you know, we, still have, we still have waves come up, we still have worries come up, and we always will. You know, even just recently, we got some unexpected bills that were kind of cause for concern, and you know, of course, started to worry us. And naturally, there was immediately talk of, of you know, overtime shifts, working more, cutting back, adjusting things, spending, you know, all all the usual things that you, you think about when you when you start to worry about money. And as we began to worry more about what we would do, I I really realized how much. I was like the disciples on the boat. Circumstances out of their control were causing, causing them to worry and do everything they could to try and maintain control, even though they had Jesus right there with them, and they had just watched him do all of these incredible things. He was right there with them. But Jesus had to remind them that he's still in control. How many times has God done these great things in my life and provided for us uh, in, a, in amazing ways, and he always does, you know, countless times. It's just, he always does. And even after just having watched God provide in amazing ways for us, I was still sitting there worried, trying to figure out everything that I could do, that we could do to try and keep things under control or try and regain control. God has always been in control, though. See, that's, that's kind of the, that's the issue. We, we worry when we feel like we aren't in control. In reality, that should be what gives us peace because we know that God is the one who's always in control. And when we worry, downstairs thinking says, do everything you can to try and regain control. But upstairs thinking says, don't worry, just let God be in control. I want to jump back real quick uh, to what I was saying earlier about me being sort of a, a thrill seeker of sorts. You know, like I said, I'll ride ro- any sort of roller coaster, zip lining, skydiving. Love it. Want to do it again. It's a blast. Um, but there's a de- there's that definite cutoff when it comes to you know what what I do. There's a sp- very specific reason that I'll I'll do all those things I mentioned earlier. But I'll be much much more hesitant to do things you know like rock climbing, whitewater rafting base jumping, or even, even things like skiing or, or snowboarding make me, make me pretty nervous, make me worry a little bit. Maybe if I was pushed enough, some of these things I, I'd probably be willing to try, but much more hesitant. And the reason being is quite simply that I do not trust myself. Um, I'm clumsy, I'm not very athletic, so doing any of those kind of things where I'm the one in control, I, I'd really just rather not. The few times in my life where I've had any sort of injury was because I did something stupid. I always hoped that when I inevitably one day broke some bones and stuff, it would be because I was doing some really cool sports thing. But the one time when I was in high school where I broke a bone in my foot was because I was just running with my friend. We were being goofy. I was barefoot, and I tried to slide, and I went over my toes instead of straight. And sure enough, I cracked a bone, Chipped, chipped a bone off there. It wasn't cool. It didn't look cool at all. And uh, I can assure you that. And then the only other time I tore my ACL, I was playing, I was at soccer practice, but it wasn't doing anything cool. I literally got the ball stolen from me, and then I planted and tried to run after the guy, and it just cracked, and then I was done. It wasn't anything cool. Got the ball stolen, boom, twist, done. That was it. So nothing cool. I, that's why I don't consider myself... Very athletic. That's why I I don't want to do things, you know, like rock climbing, whitewater rafting. I don't want to do those kind of thrills because I'm in control. Roller coaster, sure. You know, these ridiculously smart engineers have built these rides. Thousands of people have ridden them before me. We've got these employees who are experts in checking all the safety measures. I just wait in line, I sit down, I get strapped in so tight, I can't even move, I can't hardly breathe. The experts come by, they check up, make sure everything's safe before they send us off, and boom, I'm along for the ride. That's all I have to worry about. I literally do nothing except yell and go along for the ride. Zip lining, same way. Even the small part that I'm in control of, like putting the harness on, even the experts, they have to check that before we go anywhere and double check. And then I'm just along for the ride, and there's employees and experts you know, along the way to make sure everything's safe. Skydiving, the expert was literally strapped to my back. Like, I didn't have to worry about anything. They had to do the, do the hard part. I literally just had to fall out of a plane, and even that, they helped me there by pushing me, so, you know, it's, it's fine. I didn't have to do anything. I wasn't in control of pulling the chute or knowing when to pull the chute or making sure my gear was proper, making sure the parachute was you know, packed properly, nothing like that. And I, in all these cases, I just trusted the experts who, who built or designed the rides or the experts who, who were there with me, checking things or whatever it may be. They were in control, not me, and that's the only reason that I love doing those things and that's the only reason why I wasn't worried. Now, if only I could apply that same thinking to the rest of my life, because God is always the one in control. We don't need to worry because he is an expert and he is in control. And we don't need to worry at all. We don't need to worry about anything. You know, things, things happen in life that cause us to worry and that you know we try and fight to make sure that we are in control of everything. But instead, in, in reality, we really just need to sit down and let God be in control and realize that he's always in control. Just a few chapters uh, in Matthew before the incident on the, on the boat, Jesus is delivering the sermon on the mount and in chapter 6 he talks about worry. In Matthew 6:25 through 34, Jesus says, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes?" Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And we, we worry about having everything we need and providing for ourselves, providing for our families. God is in control, though. Jesus directs us here to, to look at the birds who, you know, the birds don't store away food or, or save up or, or any of these things, but, but God always feeds them. God clothes the fields with all sorts of, of beautiful flowers. He takes care of these things. And Jesus reminds us that we are much, much more valuable than any of them. So, of course, God's going to take care of us. God knows what we need, exactly what we need, when we need it, all of us. We don't need to worry about these things. God is in control. He knows what we need. He will provide for us. So instead of spending our our time and energy worrying about our finances, worrying about providing, worrying about all these things, we can invest that energy and focus on seeking and, and growing God's kingdom. Of course, we are human, though. We will always worry. But sometimes, sometimes the knowledge, knowing that God will take care of us, will provide for us, sometimes that's enough to calm our worries. But sometimes it may not be, though. you know, Those of you who are parents may remember situations like this with your kids, or you know, some of us may remember um, situations where our parents did it for us. You know, when a child is worried or scared about something, it, sometimes it seems like there's only one thing that can calm them down. You know, I, I've certainly experienced this uh, working with uh, kids in children's ministry. You know, when a, a child is like really upset or has hurt themselves really bad, as as funny as I am, I, you know, they just don't laugh at my jokes, and I can't calm them down. And there's, you know, it just doesn't work. There's only one thing that can calm them down and that's the presence of of mom or dad. When something traumatic has happened or is happening for a child, I I can't speak from experience as a parent, but it seems like the natural instinct is to tell your child, it's okay, I'm here now, I'm right here. The first thing parents often seem to do to calm their child down is simply remind them of their presence, just remind them that they're there. Something about a a parent's presence is, is comforting. You can't beat that. And no matter how old you seem to get, it always seems to be the case. I remember several years ago now, uh, Jenna and I had, uh, had just started dating. We were actually only dating for probably about a month at the time. And she ended up getting very severely sick, uh, kind of out of nowhere. She one morning kind of woke up, had some flu-like symptoms, just kind of achy and had a headache. So at lunchtime, she said I was going to go lay down. So went to her dorm, didn't hear from her for five, six hours, assumed she was resting Sure enough, a couple hours, or you know, sometime into the night, uh, I got a call, and I had to go go pick her up and drive her drive her to urgent care. She was in all sorts of all sorts of pain, and she like passed out a couple times. So I took her to urgent care, and they needed to take her to the hospital. So they called an ambulance that came and picked her up. As soon as they picked her up, I drove. Um, I left and drove straight to the hospital. And went to the went to the waiting room. You know, had pretty much no idea what was going on. And, so as I was sitting there in the waiting room, just kind of waiting to hear something or anything, I started to text some of my friends and, and just ask them to be, to be praying for and the situation. And you know, I texted my, my family, kind of let them know what was going on. Um, and, as I, and as I was sitting there in the waiting room, my mom called me and was just kind of trying to, you know, figure out what was going on, and ask me some more questions and whatnot, and didn't have much to give her. So as, as I kind of explained what little bit I knew and gave her a little bit of details, I think she could clearly sense the, the worry in my, in my voice. And she, she offered to, to drive down to Kentucky to be with me, which uh, that would have been, she would have left from Indianapolis, so it probably would have been about a, a four and a half hour drive to get there. And at the time she was calling me, if she would have left that instant, probably would have put her with me somewhere after 1 AM. Now I honestly remember uh, being, being really close to saying, just saying, yes, please, please do, please come, because there, there's nothing quite like when you're in a situation like that, and I was by myself, I had no idea what was going on, and I was scared and worried, there's nothing that beats the presence of your, you know, your mom or dad, but I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I didn't want her to, to feel like she had to come all that way, and you know, talking, talking to her uh, a while after Jenna had kind of gotten better and things had calmed down a little bit, she, she had told me that she came very close, very close to just in that moment getting in the car and starting to, to drive despite the fact that I had said she didn't need to. And I honestly would have loved to have had her there with me, uh, but even just her offering to come and just knowing that in a moment's notice she would come to be with me was, was very comforting. Jenna's mom actually um, was all the way up in Maine and all this was going on, so she came from Maine all the way to Kentucky as fast as she could. And uh, I know that was that was huge for for Jenna. She was down there in the ICU and in pain, not knowing what was going on and all this stuff. And you know, this went on for like I think almost two weeks. Um, so those first couple of days, especially, were were, were hard. I and mean, I know that was scary for her. And um, she had, she had even asked for her mom, wanted her mom there. So it was just huge. When her mom was finally able to be there, and she could see her mom and, and talk to her, that was a big deal. And, you know There's just something about the presence of your parents uh, that's comforting. And our heavenly Father reminds his people of his presence with us over and over and over again. In Deuteronomy 31:6, Moses is encouraging Joshua as he gets ready to, to hand off the leadership of the Israelites, and he says this to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then again in, in verse 8 to all of Israel, he says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And shortly, shortly after Joshua kind of takes over as leader, as he prepares to lead the Israelites into the promised land, God himself reminds Joshua to be strong because he'll never leave him. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then some of Jesus' own, you know, his last recorded words in Matthew. In Matthew 28.20, after giving his disciples the Great Commission, where, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One of the very last things that Jesus said to, to his followers while he was physically on earth was to simply remind them that he is always present. All throughout scripture we see that God is with us. He constantly is reminding us that he is here. When you are worrying about something, deeply worried, there, there's nothing that can make that go away quite like the presence of your parent, especially your heavenly father, and he never leaves us. You know, we, we always have worries. We, we worry about all different things, uh, different shapes and, and sizes. God is in control of everything, though. He cares deeply about us, and he knows exactly what we need. So why, then, do we really need to worry about anything? We still will, though, inevitably. We, we are human. But every, time, every time we do, though, if we listen, our Heavenly Father is right there with us saying, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. He's always there with an open ear, and when our inevitable worries do still come up, there's certainly something that we can do with them. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we bring our concerns before God, you know, he offers us his peace, which goes far beyond anything this world has to offer, far beyond anything we could even hope to understand. We can bring our our deepest concerns that we have to our Heavenly Father, who is in control of all things. He cares deeply for us. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it. And He never leaves us. He's right there with us every step of the way. So really, why worry? Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you are a God who not only provides for us, uh, who knows um, everything we need, God, but you you also walk every step of the way with us, Lord. You don't leave us to fend for ourselves, Lord. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I pray that as as we leave this place today, um, and as we inevitably begin to worry about different things um, this week, things that come up, God, I pray that you just remind us of your presence, and that that would be a comfort, and that we would just seek you out um, and lay our requests and our concerns before you because you care for us, God. I pray that that would just give us us peace, Lord, and help us to leave uh, our worry, God, and just remind us constantly that you are the one in control, and may that give us peace, Lord. We love you, and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.